Good morning. Hello, everybody. Am I on? Can you hear me through the speaker? Hopefully you can hear me at home. And for the folks online, thank you for joining us. And my name is Jacob Parnell, and I'm the preaching minister here at the church. And uh, before I get into the lesson for today, I want to let you guys know about two things that I need your help with. I'm a little echoey, but that's because I'm loud. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll, you'll hear me okay. The first thing is we've been in a series called Ready for Anything, and it's a series studying through the book of Psalms. We've been listening to the different types of Psalms, how their songs and their prayers and their wisdom and their instruction, and hopefully it's been, we've been soaking that up and it's been blessing us. To end this series in two weeks, I want to hear from you guys. You guys have been hearing me talk a lot about the Psalms and like, here's this Psalm and here's my thoughts and here's the sermon. I want you guys to bring the message on April 25th, and this is how we're going to do it. I need you to take your phone or your computer and film yourself sharing what is your favorite psalm. You can share what it is, you can read the psalm, but also tell us why you like it, why it's important to you. There's a story that goes along with it. Please share that in just a short, like one minute, one or two minute video clip. And I want you to send that to me as soon as you can, the early part of this week. We're going to compile all those together and we're all going to get to share in those on Sunday, April 25th, two weeks from today. Does that make sense? Not if you can do that. At home, are you nodding? I hope that you're nodding. I want you guys to do this. If you're here in person, I'm going to set up a video camera in the courtyard just to make it easy on you. If you're like, I can't use my phone, I don't even know how. That's not an excuse anymore because we're going to put the camera in the courtyard and just hit record. Go to the, the little video booth and share your favorite psalm and why you love it. It doesn't have to be long or eloquent. Uh, we're going to put all these together, though, and we're going to be blessed by them on April 25th. Sound good? It sounds good to me, so it sounds good to you as well. That's the first thing that I need. The second thing is for any young people uh, watching at home or here uh, in our auditorium this morning, I need your help. In my lesson today, I'm going to be talking about Psalm 23, this classic passage, the Lord is my shepherd. I need you guys to take a piece of paper, and I need you to draw me a picture of God being our shepherd. You can draw Jesus guiding us. You can draw a sheep and a shepherd. You can listen to the things that I talk about in the lesson, and you can, um, you can, you can draw those and incorporate that into your drawing. But hopefully by the time we're done today, you're going to give me this great work of art. There's some clipboards over here on the wall along with some crayons that you are welcome to grab and use, but that's for our young people or older people who are easily distractible. You guys can draw me pictures too. I want to see your works of art that have to do with the Lord is my shepherd. Okay, so first thing, sometime before Wednesday, make me a video of your favorite psalm. Second thing, young people or whoever, draw me a picture of the Lord as my shepherd. Okay, so here's the, here are my prepared remarks now. Oh, and I should also mention too, for the people at home, we know that we've been having some sound issues with our live stream and uh, we're figuring some things out. Hopefully you can hear me now if it's just blank talking or if you already turned it off. I'm sorry about that. It's something that we're working on. But uh, hopefully this lesson will bless you and the folks that are here as well. So uh, let me just, let me open us up with a prayer. I feel a little bit flustered. I just want to go to God. Oh, Lord, I pray that you will reveal your heart to us this morning. That you will open my mouth and speak words that are true and challenging and convicting that will build up the body here at Tri-Valley and will bless our neighbors. May we be the light of the world as Jesus called us to be. We know that you are our good shepherd 
we thank you and we praise you for that. And we ask that you will help us understand what it means to be your followers. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may or may not know, but there are a lot of images in Scripture that help us understand spiritual things. We can understand earthly things, mic stands and flowers and rooms, and, but things of heaven and things of God are sometimes mysterious. So the Bible is very helpful in that it tells us what God is like using things that we are familiar with. Uh, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. You can think of a tiny, tiny little mustard seed, and it starts out small, but when you plant it in the ground, it grows and it changes, and it turns out to something that you never could have predicted. He also says the kingdom of heaven is like a hidden treasure, a treasure that somebody finds in a field, and they say, man, this is amazing. I've got to get this field. I've got to secure this treasure. So they sell everything that they have just so that they can have access to this. That's how valuable the kingdom of heaven is. And we get this when it comes to descriptions of God as well. The Bible tells us that God is like a potter, and we are like clay in his hands, and he's forming us and shaping us into something beautiful and something useful. Scripture tells us that God is like a loving father who waits for his wayward son and looks, and when the son returns, he runs out and welcomes him back and restores him completely. The Bible says God is a rock, God is a shield, God is like a vineyard owner. We're even told that God is like a vine in one of those vineyards, and we are like the branches, and we need to stay connected to the vine. There's all these images in Scripture about God. And one of the most popular ones is, the Lord is my shepherd. And you may be very familiar with the psalm that we're going to look at this morning. But God is referred to as a shepherd in a lot of different places in the Bible. Genesis mentions it. Exodus, the prophets Micah and Jeremiah talk about this. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd, like Lisa read for us a little bit earlier. So now I want you to listen to Psalm 23 about God being, uh, the Lord being our shepherd. And then we're going to talk about what we're going to do with that. So read along with me here. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that good? Man. In this psalm that is traditionally attributed to King David, who was the shepherd boy who turned king of Israel, God is described as the shepherd who leads and he guides and he feeds and protects and comforts us and he gives us a secure future. According to David, when God is your shepherd, you lack nothing. And if you look at the structure of this psalm, that's pretty much the message. At the very beginning, we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. I lack nothing. Nothing. And then the rest of the psalm is just elaborating on that point. This is how I lack nothing. I've got green pastures and quiet waters. God meets our physical needs for food, water, and shelter. We don't lack direction when we know the Good Shepherd. The Lord guides us along right paths, not ones that are dangerous or roads that we could get lost. 
going down, but if we follow him, he will lead us on the right paths. We don't lack help or protection, even when we find ourselves in the darkest valleys. God is with us, he is leading us, and he is prompting us to go on. But there may be times when you hear this message about God being our shepherd, and you might think, well, if I'm honest, I can't really say I lack nothing. Because there's a couple of things in my life right now that seem missing. If you're in a situation where you don't have a job, you might say, well, I want to say I have everything I need because the Lord is my shepherd, but I really need a job. Or maybe you're experiencing a decline in your mental health, or you're in a different place than you were last year, and you're saying, well, I can't honestly say I lack nothing because I'd really like for this to improve. You may lack patience. You may lack compassion in your life. So you may hear this and say, I don't know what David was doing when he wrote this. Maybe he was on vacation and this was just like the up, the best point in his life. Maybe he just got made king and all of his enemies, all of the threats that were there were just neutralized and he's sitting back and going, you know what? Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I've got everything and so do you. That may not ring true for you now or at certain points in your life. And I think that that's okay. Because this is not only a list of what God offers as our good shepherd, but it's a way of acknowledging all the things that God has done in the past. Whether or not you are in a place of, I lack nothing, or in a valley, God is still with you. And God has been faithful, and he is trustworthy. That's something that this psalm is telling us. That you may be in a difficult place right now, but God has been faithful, and God will continue to be faithful. Another thing that this psalm can do, if you're not really feeling it at the moment, is it can remind us of where we ought to be. It's a call of reminding us who we should be following. Think about a shepherd and sheep. There's sheep that follow the shepherd, and that's good. The shepherd's going to take care of the sheep. But if maybe you're like four or five sheep back, and you're not actually following the shepherd, but you're following the sheep in front of you. Maybe you can't even see the shepherd for whatever reason. Maybe the sheep in front of you went off over here when the shepherd is leading us this way. And then you wake up one day and realize, I don't know where I am. I don't know where I've been led. But I've, I've, for whatever reason, I can't find the shepherd. But the good news is the shepherd comes after the sheep. The shepherd will find us. The shepherd loves and cares for the sheep, as we'll see in just a minute. And in our lives, we may not even like the image of the shepherd and the sheep. I, I want to acknowledge this because this is, in order to go along with this, you have to realize that you are the sheep. And you might go, I don't think I want to be the sheep. Jacob, even though the recent studies have shown us that sheep maybe are a lot more intelligent than we've given them credit for, they still have this reputation of being dumb. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are helpless. Sheep get stuck. Sheep need to be cared for. And you might think, I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position. I'm a lot more independent than that. Maybe I'm more like the shepherd. Or maybe you go along with what the business world tells you you need to be. If you're not the sheep, or what is it? If you're a sheep, then you're going to get eaten by who? The wolf. So do you want to be the sheep or do you want to be the wolf? I want to be the wolf. But that's not what Scripture tells us. You can't be a lone wolf and be a follower of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. So, sorry, you, you might just need to get over it and <laughs> realize sometimes I am like the sheep. And this image still works for me. But listen to what the good shepherd does. We heard Lisa read this passage earlier. It says the shepherd isn't just trying to control you 
or herd you or sell you or, or, or make money off of you. Jesus says the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And that is care. That is the care that Jesus provides for us. Last week we celebrated Jesus who laid down his life for the sheep, but then was resurrected on the third day. And then he met with some of his, his sheep, his friends, his followers, and he said, you know what, I've been the good shepherd, but I need you to continue on this work for me. Listen to this. This is a scene at the end of the Gospel of John. After Jesus was raised and his followers were out fishing, they run into Jesus, they catch all this fish, they have a little bonfire breakfast on the beach, and this is what Jesus says. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You just know everything. So you know that I love you. And Jesus said, again, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him two words. Read these with me. Follow me. So in addition to this moment kind of being a reversal of the threefold denial that Peter did toward Jesus the night that he was arrested, it's kind of reinstating him with this threefold confession of faith. These are marching orders that Jesus gives to Peter and the other disciples. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, continue the work of the good shepherd. This is something that was important to Jesus, and he wants it to be important to his followers as well. One more passage of Scripture, and then we're going to talk about what we do with this. We're going to jump back in the story of Jesus. There's this time when, where Matthew and Mark both tell us about the heart that Jesus has for the people that he's ministering to. We'll read from Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay, so let me try to put these things together that I've been talking about. One, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23. And then, Jesus, God in the flesh, the good shepherd, has compassion on his sheep. We see this in John 21. We see this in Matthew 9. But what we also see is that Jesus commissions his followers to continue on his ministry of caring for his sheep. Uh, that's us. That brings us to us and our efforts, our mission, and this church. But before I talk a little bit about that, I want to just emphasize one more thing. And that is the emphasis you see in all of these passages on movement. In Psalm 23, you have God leading us. He leads the sheep. He guides us in right paths. His goodness and love will 
follow us. That indicates that there's movement. Somebody is moving and you follow them. God's love and his mercy are going to follow us for the rest of our lives. And now with Peter, think about this at the, at the fish fry. He tells him, I want you to go. I want you to feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Then there's this strange bit about like you, you're going to go where you don't want to go. And when you were young, you got to decide, but now you don't. There's movement involved there. Someone is going to lead you into new places you may not want to go. But his last two words, we said them together. Let's say them together again. He said to Peter, follow me. And then in Matthew chapter 9, he tells his uh, followers to pray this prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And I think of all of these things, and I put these together, and it makes me realize we have got to go. We, we've got to move. We've got to get up, and we've got to go. But I think sometimes we get stuck. And when we look at a psalm like Psalm 23, we really, really like the first part where it says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Why would I go anywhere? I have everything I need right here, right now. I've got green pastures. I've got quiet waters. This, this description kind of sounds like heaven, doesn't it? Kind of sounds like retirement. Count me in. That's a place where I want to be. And one response to this realization that I lack nothing is to safeguard it, to keep it to yourself, to sit on top of your treasure like Smaug the dragon and do everything you can to keep it secure, to keep it safe, and to keep it to yourself. But I think a better response to the realization that I lack nothing in God is to say, you know what, I found everything I need in Christ. I'm that person who discovered the treasure found in the field. I'm, I'm sold everything. This is, this, is, this is it. This is all I need right now. But instead of that being the end of it, go an extra step and say, okay, how can I help somebody else find this treasure? It's not something I need to keep to myself. It's not going to run out. But this is good news, and I want to share this with people. How can I help them find it too? And the traditional answer that we give to this question in the church is, well, we open our doors. We say, hey, we're going to gather here on Sundays. If you want to come and worship God, you can. If you want to know Jesus, we're going to be talking about Jesus. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to do what the church does. Sunday mornings, 1045, be there or be square. Uh, and that's good. I, I've been going to church all my life, and it has blessed me, and it has brought me closer in relationship with the Lord. But, and maybe this is just a Jacob thing, but lately I've been kind of thinking about this last year and about how we haven't opened our doors. We've worshiped online. We've continued to try to feed Jesus' sheep and, and, and lead and, and help and, and encourage one another, and that's good. But then we put a lot of effort into trying to get back into this room. And for, for those of you who are here, here we are. We've the doors are open, and we're here. And uh, I'm glad that you're here. But I kind of feel like this is where we were a year ago. And I'm standing in the same spot, and I'm preaching. And there's a lot of the same folks. This is the tricky part, because I'm, I'm so glad that you're here. I really want you to be here. But I can't help but think of the folks who aren't here. And if there's movement involved to this commission that Jesus gives us to get up and go, I can't help but see a little bit of dissonance with Jacob 
standing still and preaching in the same spot to roughly the same group of people and the same message. Last week, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. I think you already had heard that message. This week, I'm talking about Psalm 23 and that Jesus is the good shepherd. I think you probably already knew that message. I have to wonder if we, and if I'm wrong, then disconnect yourself from this statement. Then this is just a Jacob thing. I can't help but wonder if I have lost that sense of movement that Jesus commissioned us to do. That those instructions to follow the good shepherd wherever he leads us. I have to ask myself, am I being sent out into the Lord's harvest field or am I simply lying down in green pastures? I'll let that sink in for a second. Step over here and talk about something else. I've been talking about metaphors and images this morning. You know, God is our rock, God is our shepherd. Here's one that I saw recently. This is not from Scripture, but this is just from my, my own life that I wanted to share with you. I think, it, I think it relates. I watched a documentary recently called Recording in Progress, and it's, it's really good. If you don't like documentaries, you probably won't like this, but I'm really into uh, music and, and recording, and it, it's, it's this documentary about the change in how music is made these days. It's about recording studios and how they are declining and how you don't need to go to a recording studio anymore if you have a song that you want to record or if you have a band that you want to start. It used to be as recently as even like 15, 20 years ago, if you had a song and you wanted people to hear it, you had to book studio time. You had to go into a recording studio and you had to uh, hire an engineer and a producer and you had to pay for their equipment and it was really expensive, it was really time consuming and it was really costly. Uh, and studios were doing great because like, that, they were the only game in town and they knew it. But then, as things started changing and things started going digital, the recording tools and the recording opportunities were put into the hands of pretty much anybody. You cannot buy a computer today that doesn't have free access to a multi-track recording process. You could start a band today if you wanted to. You could record a song and you could publish a song that if it's good enough, 10 million people will hear it this afternoon. That is a major shift in the industry. So in this documentary, they interview studio owners and they say, what do you think about this? How is this impacting you? And there's pretty much two views on what's going on. One view says, you know what? They need us. This is, this is a shame. This is not good. These people that are doing home recordings, they are not going to get far without us because it's not a real record if you aren't in a real studio with a real producer and a real engineer and a real sound-treated recording space. They need us. But another view says, good for them. This is a good thing. There's a whole new generation of people who are learning how to record. What we need to do is enter their world and share our knowledge with them. There's one studio that gets interviewed in the movie uh, called Slate Digital, and they pivoted and they said, you know what, we, we know, have all this knowledge, let's translate it into the digital platform. And they changed a lot of their tools into digital software, they're entering that space, and they're continuing to help a new generation of musicians make music. And it's interesting because both views, they both uh, believe that the traditional recording studio is something that's needed by a young generation of musicians. But the first view says, if you want it, you got to come to us to get it, and you have to play by our rules. The second view says, 
we need to go to them and offer them what we have. You can probably imagine the first view is very occupied with its own needs and perpetuating the old model of the recording studio. You have to pay the rent. You've got to justify your brick-and-mortar location. You've got staff to pay. You have all this equipment that you've invested in. You've got to keep your doors open. And that's understandable. But the second view seems like what they're concerned about is why recording studios exist in the first place, and that is to make music, to make excellent songs that as many people as possible can hear. And they've stayed focused on that. And their attitude is, let's adapt and let's go in order to make this happen. That was a lot of explanation about this movie that you could watch. It's a good movie. But here's why I'm bringing it up. The whole time that I watched this movie, the entire movie, as they started this conversation, I thought, this reminds me so much of the church. It was once thriving. It was once growing. It was considered the primary way and space to encounter God and to learn about Jesus. And now, across the board in our our area, church attendance is shrinking Even if you have the best church experience in town, it's harder and harder to get people to come into your doors. And there's a couple different attitudes about this shift. One view says, you need us. You are not going to get far without us. It's not a real faith if you're not in a real church with real hymns and real elders and real programs. And there's a second view that says, good for them. There is a whole new generation of people who are interested in discovering Jesus. Let's go to them and give them what we have to offer. And both of these views agree that the church has something that is valuable, and I would say even indispensable, that the young generation needs to discover. But the first view says, if you want it, you got to come to us, and you got to play by our rules. And the second view says, let's go to them. Let's give them what we have to offer. Jesus said, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. That is a very exciting and scary prayer for me to pray. And I want to invite you and challenge you to pray this prayer with me this morning. What is that going to mean if we say, Lord, send us out into your harvest field? It might mean we are in unknown territory. It might mean we don't have a playbook. It might mean we run into some difficult situations or just just tricky relationships that we're not used to. I grew up my whole life in church. And I've been at this church for 11 years, and I kind of know how things go. Somebody asked this question, I kind of know what to say. If this comes up, we kind of know how to deal with this. We're talking about throwing out the playbook and just being adaptable and being willing to go and trusting in God in ways that maybe we haven't needed to for a while. And if this was a a well-crafted sermon, what would come next is, okay, what does that look like? Here's what we're going to do. But at the moment, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that's going to mean if we pray this prayer and if we take this commission seriously. I don't know. But I do know that there are children who are behind in school 
because of what's been going on this last year. For, for whatever reason, they're struggling. Um, there's two families in our neighborhood who have asked my wife, Lisa, to help their kids catch up. She was like, okay, yeah, okay, there's a need, sure. So she helped one kid and, and taught preschool for him this whole last year. And then there's another family where she's tutoring a girl twice a week, and they come into our home, and she says, yeah, let, let, let's, let's help you with that. I don't know where it's going to take us, but it might look something like that. And I don't know exactly where we will end up, but I know that my buddy Justin has been going to the skate park more lately. And when he goes, he wears his Y'all Need Jesus t-shirt. And he, he loves the Lord so much that whether he's at Las Positas College or the skate park or downtown or here in the church building, wherever he is, he is looking for opportunities to say, man, the good shepherd is good, and I want you to know him. It might look something like that. I know that our teachers in this church and beyond are the people who are on the front lines who are seeing some of the needs that students and families have. You know, you see the statistics about the rise in depression and anxiety and isolation that young people are experiencing. Our teachers, they see this, and they don't just go, man, that's too bad. They're involved in their students' lives, and they're praying for them, and they're helping them in physical ways and with needs and sometimes the church is able to get involved in those, and it's, it's a shame that I don't get to share these as often as I would like to, because sometimes they're private in nature, and I can't get up here and give you names and examples and things like that. But man, our teachers are showing the love of Christ in their context, and maybe it looks something like that. The more I get to know my neighbors, the more I see that there are families who don't have family in the area. They don't have childcare. They don't have grandmas and grandpas. They're, they're, they're new to the area. They're all alone. And I know how valuable it is for them to have surrogate grandmas and grandpas to be a support system for them and to give them advice and to give them love and to give them support. Maybe it looks something like that. There's a family that we've come into contact with recently. And the husband pulled me aside and said, hey, English is my second language and I just need to practice it more. Can we, can we just hang out more and talk English so that I can get better at it? I said, yeah, maybe, maybe this is where God is leading me. Maybe it looks something like that. Maybe I have more of an idea than I let on of, of what this looks like. But you're going to know better than I will what that means in your life. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the question that I want you to ask yourself and us to ask ourselves as a church this morning is, where is God leading us? Where is God leading you? And I'm excited to explore what the answers to those questions might be. So share those stories with me. Let's, let's dream together. And let's be bold in our prayer to say, Lord, send us out. We want to go. And then we'll come back here and we'll gather in this room and we'll celebrate what God is doing among us and we'll share these stories and hopefully more and more people can come to know the goodness of the good shepherd they'll discover that treasure that we have found that's pretty much it again i was really concerned about this message because i don't want to make anyone feel bad for showing up i'm so glad that you're here and i'm going to continue to come here and i'm going to continue to encounter god here and invite people to be here as well if something that I've said this morning has offended you or if it seems aimed at you, I want you to know I never aim my sermons at people. If anything, they're aimed at me. I'm just sharing my heart 
and where I'm at and the stuff that, that I want to see changed in my life and in my following Jesus. Anyway, um, let me just close out in prayer. And I hope that you are, are encouraged and, and challenged and pushed a little bit to ask what this looks like and then to be courageous enough to take a step. But let's do this together. Let me, let me encourage you. Let me pray for you. Let's get excited about this. Let's pray. God, you are, so, you are so good. And I don't think there's any shortage of your movement and your work around us. I just think sometimes we miss it. God, my prayer this morning is for the people who are hearing this message, but even more so the people who won't hear this message. But they will hear about Jesus through the compassion and the relationships that we build with them. Lord, this, pr- this prayer and this message is for our neighbors. This prayer is for the lost. This prayer is for people who are hurting and people who don't have family. Lord, send us to them. Let us love them. Let them know you and know how valuable you, they are in your sight. Lord, my prayer is for myself. I pray that you transform my heart, that you get me off of the treasure that I have hoarded too often, that you will give me the heart of Jesus that has compassion for sheep who don't have a shepherd and who are following other sheep <laughs> into uh, destructive places. Lord, Lord, I pray that whatever comes from this, that it's all to your glory. And I pray that there's a, a, a ripple effect that reverberates into our communities, and that the name of Jesus Christ is celebrated and honored and embraced. And if we can have any small part in that, we pray, Lord, we are your servants. Here we are. Send us. And I pray that we can be faithful. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Amen. Oh, sing now. That part.